0: The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is sponsored by Steel Hoof Deluxe, your favorite hoof-strengthening supplement from Mitchell's. If it's not Mitchell's, get back in the truck. We've recently received reports that counterfeit steel hoof is circulating on the black market. To be sure your product is genuine, look for the hoof hologram on the sack and that familiar burning
1: feeling in your eyes. For 10% off your next order, find a coupon on the wind.
0: Hello and welcome to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, the number one podcast for those involved or just interested in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is the podcast companion to the Beef and Dairy Network website and printed magazine, brought to you by Steel Hoof Deluxe. Last month, we heard from Wendy Axminster, who is starring on London's West End in a musical produced by Rosenton's Yogurts about the Greek financial crisis that was supposed to star Les Cheese, the entertainer formerly of much-loved double act Cheese and Onion. However, after eating hundreds of litres of yoghurt both during rehearsals and the opening week of the show, Les suffered two heart attacks at the same time. Since then, Les has been in the news once more, after the decision was made by the National Health Service to refuse him treatment on the grounds that he doesn't have a human heart. You may remember that following his last heart attack, on the eve of the British Beef Council annual dinner and barn dance, network members were kind enough to source a replacement heart for him. It transpires that that heart was a bull's heart, and this week the National Health Service released the following statement. Here at the NHS, we value Lez's contribution to entertainment over the past 40 years, not to mention his tireless work for the Biafran National Front. However, contrary to popular belief, laughter is actually one of the worst medicines, and Lez's yoghurt-filled cow heart requires extensive treatment. Treatment that we simply cannot provide. Bringing an animal heart to a human hospital is like taking a boat to a car mechanic or asking a blacksmith to restore an old wooden carving of a dog. Sorry, I don't know why I used that simile. I'll be honest, I'm not very good at this. To find out more, I spoke to Dr Sam Archer, a doctor best known for his appearances on BBC Radio 4's Doctor Heal Thyself and Channel 4's Cry Yourself Thin. Dr Archer is also the cheesiest family doctor, and when Les had his heart attack, he went straight to the hospital that Les had been taken to, St Winifred's Hospital for Aging Entertainers and their dreadful families. I met Dr Archer at his practice in central London. When you arrived at the hospital mm. where he'd been taken after his double heart attack, yeah. what did the doctors tell you when you arrived?
1: Uh, so I, I walked into the hospital and the doctor took me to one side. They put his hand on, on, my, on my shoulder. He looked me in the eyes and he said, his heart's fucked.
0: Right. Mm. Yeah. So once the doctors had determined that the, what the problem was, is that his heart was
1: fucked. Um, What course of action did they then take? So they wanted to get him open as soon as possible. They just wanted to open him up and see if they could begin the process of defucking his heart. Uh, Les's heart was not a human heart. Les had a cow's heart. They weren't prepared for it. Um, It was really confusing and really distressing for those people. But that wasn't where it ended. Right. How do you mean? Les had had his heart replaced with a a bull's heart. That wasn't the end to the, the process of replacing Les's organs with animals' organs. Doing more rummaging around, they discovered that his uh, his stomach was the stomach of a of a lamb. He had pork liver, and a lot of his bone marrow had been sourced from numerous small birds. Really. Mm. So when he was opened up, and you can ima- I can imagine it now the the kind of pulling open the the flesh. Yes, like then- a book, like a big like a human book, just that you're starting midway through.
0: So then you open it up, and then there's the the contents of the
1: book. Yeah. Was there anything in there that, that a doctor would expect to see? It, it's it's almost like I I don't know if you can imagine your favourite sitcom where every single actor has been replaced. Uh, that was what the, that was what they were dealing with. It so was it was of, kind of f- familiar in form, yes, but then the specifics completely completely about about face. Yeah, so
0: it's as if you're as you say you're watching Friends, mm. but Joey Tribbiani is is played by Hillary
1: Clinton. Exactly, uh, and I don't think anyone wants that. What had been going on here? Why had, and how had Les done this? So the cow's heart replacement had been really successful. Um, Les had never felt better. He was on top of his game. He felt like it had given him a new lease of life. And then he thought, how can I keep this feeling going? So he set about trying to replace parts of his body with those of an animal whenever they started to fail him.
0: So you weren't actually in the operating theatre when all this was discovered, you weren't because you're, you're not a, a surgeon.
1: No, it wouldn't be appropriate for me to be actually be in the surgery at all. So I was stood outside and all I was doing was hearing some of, the, uh, some of the comments which were being shouted by the surgeon through to get some information. You know, they'd open them up and immediately I'd hear things like uh, wolf spleen, the renal system of a whale, dog's penis. And from that, I was just piecing together an idea about what Les has been doing to himself over the last six months or so. Now you're Les's GP. Yes. Surely you knew about this. Uh, so I, I have a good relationship with Les, but there would be uh, there would be situations where so I, I wasn't aware of things like I should be aware of maybe like the dog's penis. No, because I remember the last time he came in for a checkup, I said, we'd like to take your clothes off behind that screen. And he took all his clothes off apart from a Victorian gentleman's bathing suit that, that was stripy and went from his neck all the way down to his knees. Of course, if I'd insisted upon it, I would have seen that that dog's penis and I would have been like something is something's happening here and I need to look into this further. But I didn't, and I, I will regret that, I think.
0: How do you been able to persuade him to take off that Victorian gentleman's swimming yeah. outfit, and you'd have seen the dog's penis, oh, yeah. and, and, and also, I would imagine, a number of scars across his abdomen mm. as he was sort of treating himself like a human Mr. Potato Head, yeah. just swapping out body parts and putting animal bits. What would you have said to him then if you'd known?
1: I'd have sat him down and I would have said, there are organisations that can help you. Organisations like STECRA, which is uh, an organisation run by a man called Daryl Skip, and he helps people who are obsessed with replacing their organs with those of, a, uh, of an animal. And he knows what he's talking about, you know, but both of his eyes are squid's eyes. He hasn't got human eyes anymore, just two squid's eyes. Two giant squid's eyes. Do they fit on his head? Uh, not at all, no. He's an absolute aberration to look at. But it's okay because he does most of his counselling over the phone.
0: The big issue for Les now, and and it's been in the news this week and was confirmed by the Health Secretary in Parliament this Mm. week, was that the National Health Service will not treat Les in his current state because, as they say, those organs aren't human. The NHS is there to treat human ailments. And also, from the point of view of the doctors, they've come out and said very strongly, well, you know, I don't know what to do when I'm faced with a rhino's gut, for Mm. example. They haven't trained for this.
1: Where does that leave Les I mean, yeah, Les is a case known as a menagerie case where he's he's made up of too many different creatures to really be the responsibility of a human doctor. So I'm afraid that means that he's sort of reliant on the help of backstreet vets.
0: Now, backstreet vets is at at the centre of this whole thing because that's kind of how he got in this place in the first place. Now, I didn't even know that these backstreet vets operated. Yeah. But these are these people who they had... From what I can tell, they had respectable veterinary careers, were maybe struck off or decided, lured away by the greater money available on the streets and will, for the right amount of money, source you the organ you want and whack it in your body.
1: So, yeah, these are people who have maybe lost their license to practice as a a veterinarian because they've maybe done something which is considered, you know, an aberration to nature. So there's a case of uh, there's one vet who was asked to operate on a racehorse to give the racehorse uh, wheels, essentially, so that it would win every time. Um, And so they did this. And of course, they were immediately struck off because that just that just isn't acceptable. And yeah, so he's now in the hands of these people and hopefully they'll treat him well. But I I mean,
0: these are the people who got him in this situation in the first place. Is there a suggestion that maybe it's not the many litres of yoghurt that he ate that led to the heart attack, but, and some people have been writing in the papers this week about this, about how there's an imbalance within Les's body. You've got a bull's heart that's having to power the rhino's gut. Um, Well, I'm
1: afraid this is where science and religion are at a bit of an impasse. Because there are those who say, scientifically, you have that many animals, organs, going in one body, that's inevitably going to cause trouble. And then you've got the people, the the religious community, who point to Noah's Ark and say all of those animals were able to live harmoniously on one ship. And in a sense, Les's body is like the Ark. And so that's where we're at at the minute. There's this, there's this back and forth going on between that. Personally, I consider myself a religious man. I, I go to temple twice a week. But I think that it is wrong to have that many uh, animals organs in in one man
0: so you don't buy the sort of arc
1: idea i think it's we'd all love to believe it wouldn't we would we'd all find a lot of comfort in believing that les les cheese's body is like noah's ark but i I just don't think it's true do you think les would survive a huge flood possibly yeah that he he has an alarming amount of duck in him that might mean that he's in a better position than anyone really to survive a flood
0: more after this
1: Hey, guys, this is Adam Conover. You may know me from my true TV show, Adam Ruins Everything. Well, guess what?
2: Now we're doing a podcast version right here on Maximum Fun. What we do is we take all the interesting, fascinating experts that we talk to for just a couple minutes on the show, and we sit with them for an entire podcast, really going deep and getting into the fascinating details of their work. Find Adam Ruins Everything wherever you get your podcasts or at MaximumFun.org.
0: There is an awkward situation here where the very people who got him into this predicament... Hmm packing him full of of animal bits. Yeah. And now his only hope of being saved. Mm. And he is in their hands at the moment.
1: Yeah, uh, so he uh, I, I spoke to him uh, the other day and he's got his first appointment with uh, with one of the vets next week. This is one of the more reputable vets. He was only struck off because it was his job back in the days when they used monkeys to advertise cigarettes. He was the man who would every three weeks just rip out the monkey's old lungs and replace them with new lungs. So he's sort of one of the more reputable backstreet vets. But nevertheless, he doesn't have a license. So we just it's in the hands of him and we hope he does well. How widespread are these
0: backstreet vets and is it something that we need to worry about is this something that is getting out of hand
1: go to a major city walk down the street if you walk past 30 people two of those people may well have animal organs the hair on that guy's head may be from a chinchilla that woman's horn from a rhino maybe it's very widespread what do you think is driving people to do this I think it divides into two. I think there are those who have legitimate concerns. They're on a waiting list for a new organ and they spend their entire day just twiddling their thumbs waiting for that road traffic accident to happen and to them to find out they've actually got that replacement organ. I understand the desperation of that. I still think you should hold out for a human organ, but I I get it. The other side is purely cosmetic and that I don't understand. There are people out there who think that their whole life would be more complete if their entire back was the hide of a buffalo, And to those people, I'd say, think twice before going into this. Do you really need a horse's fetlocks? Probably not. You can get on as you are. It may seem really cool. Someone may come into school and they've got a camel's tongue. Great, but it's a trend that isn't worth going. You don't go down that road.
0: Someone who has gone down that road is Londoner Julian Alderman, who had his first cosmetic animal transplant last year. Julian is in exactly the sort of demographic that are having these procedures. Young men with above average income who are also a bit of an arsehole. His interest began when one of his colleagues came into work after having an operation at the hands of a backstreet vet.
2: We were all at work one day, it was a Friday afternoon, and he came back from, from lunch hour and he'd had a, a narwhal's horn stuck on his forehead, and we thought, oh my god, what jokes? Like, what, what's the, is, it, is, a, is there a strap on it? And he said, no, I've actually had that implanted in my forehead. And this thing was four to five foot long and, and it's almost doubled his height. And we said, well, my God, uh, Sebastian, how did you get that thing put in? And, and he said, well, it, really simple process. He said they had like a melon baller, like sort of ice cream scoop thing, and they took just a little bit of a, a chunk out of his forehead and they just had to sort of push it in and turn it round. I said to Sebastian, like, how much did that cost? And he said it was an absolute bargain at £40,000. And I said, for the procedure and the horn? He said, no, the horn was extra, that was £100,000. Because they're very rare, very near extinct. Uh, In fact, actually, since he's had it on, I've, I've noticed a lot of vans following him around with tinted windows. So I said to... Sebastian, where did you get it? And he told me about this fantastic guy. His name's Dr. Valdez. And so I found him. He sat me down absolutely free of charge. He gave me a consultation on the options he had available and in stock. And he said, well, what would you like? Would you like uh, a cockerel's eyeball? Or would you like a hoof? And I wasn't sure about any of those. But then he offered um, a a chicken's anus. And I said, oh, my God, that sounds absolutely fantastic. And ever since I had the procedure, I've just felt, like, so much more confident. It's been absolutely wonderful. You might not believe this looking at me now, but I was quite a wallflower, actually, before the whole chicken anus thing. Uh, At parties, I'd always feel a little uncomfortable. But now I really feel like I've moved up the pecking order, so to speak, that you you just notice people asking you more about it it's a great conversation starter and all those you know really booze-fueled events especially any sort of conference you'll find and the news travels fast and after a while people will start you know the chanting will begin let's see your chicken's anus and something like that and it'll build and build till you know there's no choice and i'll i'll spread my cheeks so everyone will have a ruddy good laugh at uh, at that and people go absolutely wild it, it's an absolute joy and after that I'd normally just go home and cry for two or three hours. I don't know if I'm happy or sad and that's why I'm crying. All I know is that I feel a, a very very powerful urge to cry when I get home and I cannot stop. So people are saying, you know, hold your horses, Julian, be careful. Because it can be addictive. It's, it's like getting too many tattoos or piercings. You know, it's that body modification thing. And I have to admit, I'm trying to be cautious, but I have been saving up for quite a few months now. Because I spoke to Dr. Valdez, and it's very possible, if I'm a good boy with the pennies over the next few months, I might be able to have a beak. 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 Hello? Hello, is that Dr Valdez? Listen, could you please call me back whenever you get this message? I, I want to reverse the surgery. I don't need a beak. I don't, I don't want a beak. Dr Valdez, I don't want a beak. I don't need a beak. Take the beak off me. I don't need a beak. Dr Valdez. Hello. Hello? Don't Hello. worry.
0: Don't worry. Worry. The anaesthetic. The anesthetic will We'll... We'll... we'll. So Soon. 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 I'll... 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 I'll. 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 I'll.
2: I'll. Doctor Valdez. Doctor Valdez, please. Please call back. I... I don't want a beak. I want to reverse the surgery, please. Doctor Valdez. Head. Head, i don't need head, a beak head, lung, I don't want to
0: beaks dr valdez liver liver dr valdez liver, anus, anus. dr valdez lungs liver things pet 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 liver things pet lungs liver things lungs
2: Dr. these For God's sake, I don't need a beak! I just want a normal mouth! I just want a normal mouth! This fucking beak! I can't even kiss my wife! This
0: fucking beak! Good night. There's a whole other element to this, which we haven't touched on yet, which is that these organs do come from living animals. Yeah. Is it a legal activity to remove a part of an animal? Where are these animals coming from? Some of them, as you say, uh, seem to be quite exotic, mm-hmm. um, especially the more cosmetic end of the industry where people just want to show off. You know, they want a bird of
1: paradise plume coming yes. out of the back
0: of their head, they want a dolphin's blowhole. Sure. Where are they getting them from?
1: What's happening is that, that people are exploiting legal loopholes. Poaching is illegal, but if you're really quick and the animal doesn't know that its organs gone, and you're just in and out really quickly and the animal's still walking around for a good day or two before it realises it doesn't have a spine, then you've exploited this loophole. That's, that's technically legal. Imagine how it's, it's illegal to smash up a restaurant, but it's it's perfectly legal to whip a tablecloth from underneath a, a lot of glasses that sort of stay on the table. It's it's very similar to that. Is this an, a new phenomenon? Is this something that's been happening recently or has this been going on for a while? This has been going on for centuries. You need only look at, at, at British history. We have uh, Richard the Lionheart had a lion's heart. William Henhead, the head of a hen, very successful king. Yeah, because obviously you
0: learn about... Um... Richard the Lionheart and, mm. and William Henhead in school, but mm. you don't think of actually what that
1: actually meant. You know exactly. You only sort of you see drawings and things, but you never actually fully think. Oh yeah, this hen is. And
0: they were so bad at drawing back in the Middle Ages. Exactly. You just thought oh, they've just fucked that head up. But actually, it was he actually had a hen's head. Exactly, and he was known as a very fair
1: king, mm. a very benevolent king. Mm. And is that something you think that came from the hen? Possibly, it's very possible. In truth, hens aren't capable of being that evil. They sort of have a very basic life. And if you think about the rule of William Henhead, it, a lot of it was to do with uh, grain taxation, which he lifted, which was really helpful for a lot of people. He did very little else other than that, really. But yeah, he was a pretty benevolent king. Do you think maybe modern rulers could look back and learn something about,
0: about ruling from William Henhead and maybe maybe, you know, we've I've sort of framed this whole thing as, as maybe a bad thing, mm. the idea of replacing body parts and it being a bit of a medical problem from your point of view. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe if Angela Merkel, you know, had
1: a, a dorsal fin. The world would be different. <laughs> Imagine the G8 talking to Macron with his panda nose. It would be, it would be a different world, a better world, maybe.
0: So the vets that are currently looking after Les, have they been able to
1: save that that bull's heart that, that the NHS
0: decided they wouldn't uh, operate on? No, that,
1: that, that heart is fucked. So in, in the instance of that heart being completely fucked, they have decided to go instead, I think, for a, a donkey's heart they thought would be more appropriate for okay. Les. Either that or what they're going to try and do is they're going to try and uh, link up about two or 3,000 hummingbird hearts all fizzing like a beehive. Or just at the centre of Les there, whirring away like the clockwork heart of a tin soldier.
0: Right. And of course, with that, if one of
1: those thousand hearts uh, has a heart attack and fails, mm. it doesn't take down the whole lot. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, there isn't that awful um, Christmas tree lights effect. Uh, no, just we just take out that one heart with a pair of tweezers and, and he just sort of carries on going as normal.
0: And I've often thought to myself, often when watching uh, Les... Mm. God, I I hope Les never dies. Oh, yeah. Because obviously that day, you know, he's a national treasure. Mm. It'll be months (sighs) of national mourning. Of course. You know, the kind of thing we haven't seen since the death of Princess Diana. Mm. And he is getting on in in years now. Is there not a way that through the continuing renewal and replacement of the organs within him, he could become immortal?
1: Uh, yeah, that's entirely possible. I was talking to Les about this, actually. I was like, he said to me, oh, you never know, keep replacing the bits and I could live forever. And I said, yeah, Les, although accurately, you'd be sort of living a kind of perpetual living death. And we had a laugh about that. I remember once I saw Les do a pantomime in a theatre by the coast, and the, the sea air had re- eroded this theatre, so it was just an absolute crumbling state. But the cast were doing really well. And what better analogy for Les's organs operating in his decaying shell of a body, really. It's, it's delightful to think about. And finally, what's next for Les? Will he be with the vets for a while or is it... He'll be with the vets for some time. Uh, It's up to them now to replace his heart, to sort of give an MOT to all of the different organs. But yeah, I think we can look forward to seeing Les back on his feet after an excruciatingly painful six months.
0: Les, if you're listening, from all of us here at the network, get well soon. You will get through this, just like you got through that 10-year court case after it transpired you'd never paid any tax. I think this letter from a listener best sums up our feelings. Gabrielle Monk writes, When I was just nine years old, my uncle and aunt took me to see Cheese and Onion's Gouda Thunkit tour at the Theatre Royal in Morecambe. Of course, I had seen them on TV, I was a huge fan of their kid's show, Quiche Busters, but nothing could prepare me for how funny they were live. At one point I was laughing so hard I puked all over my aunt's new dress. But she didn't mind. She was also puking uncontrollably into a bag because of the sheer frequency and intensity of the gags, rude skits and double entendres. In between spews, she would look up at me with these big, bloodshot eyes and say, This is it, darling. It doesn't get better than this. This is it. After a rip-roaring three hours of comedy, songs, dancing and spot-on impressions of Neil Kinnock, they came to sing their closing number, That Shallot, And I realised it was the end. I began sobbing inconsolably. I wanted nothing more than for the show to carry on. Having never seen them live before, I didn't know that their shows always had a false ending, and that moments later they'd be back on stage for the big encore, their bawdy charity single, She'd Never Had Cheese and Onion Before. When I heard about Les's double heart attack, I was beside myself. I'm not ashamed to say that I cried, but then I thought back to that evening in Morecambe in 1983 and how the end wasn't the end. This isn't curtains for Les. It's just a false ending. There's still an encore to come. I hope you're right, Gabrielle. Get well soon, Les. So, that's all we've got time for this month. But if you're after more Beef and Dairy news, get over to our website now, where you can read all the usual stuff, as well as our off-topic section, where this month we really put apples under the spotlight. What's going on? What's their deal? What do they want? So, until next time, Beef Out! Thanks to Tom Neenan and Tom Crowley. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, why not give us a good review on iTunes or tell a friend and get them into the show. Also, if you live in London or nearby, there are still tickets available to our live show, which is taking place as part of the London Podcast Festival. It's happening on the 16th of September, which is a Saturday. And to find tickets, just go on the search engine and put in London Podcast Festival, Beef and Dairy Network, and it should come up. If you have any trouble finding tickets, you can contact us on our Twitter, which is at and Dairy, or you can email us uh, on BeefandDairyNetwork at gmail.com. Thanks!
2: A lot of times, my instincts are, are wrong. They're mostly wrong, but they're not
1: wrong in the sense that, like, I misread somebody. They're just extremely limited to my, you know, to my idea of who they are. That was
0: Mark Marin. I'm Jesse Thorne. I'm the host of NPR's Bullseye. I'm so excited to tell you about my new show, The Turnaround. Join me as I sit down with some of the best interviewers in the world to ask them about how and why they do what they do. We'll go deep. Some of the biggest names in media. Everybody from Terry Gross to Jerry Springer to Combat Jack. That's all on The Turnaround. Two episodes a week this summer. Subscribe now. Tell a friend. MaximumFun.org.
2: Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.